Good morning. My name is Dan Vorm. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship. We attend here on weekends at Franklin, but I'm involved mostly with pastoral care out of the Brimwood campus. About 36 years ago, I was late to dinner one evening, and I'm so glad I was. Now, the reason is because I was a student in my first semester at Moody Bible Institute up in Chicago. And I was late to dinner for some various reasons. I usually went to first hour that night. For the first time, I went to second hour, got my food, and I sat down at the table, and there were some guys I didn't know. And as we introduced ourselves, I got to know, uh, for the first time, a young man named Jonathan. Jonathan, and when I asked him where he was from and a little bit of his story, I was not prepared for what I heard. Jonathan had been raised in the jungles of Irianjai, Indonesia, amidst uh, cannibals and headhunters. Uh, his parents were missionaries there, the first modern Greek family to be sent out from uh, the Protestant evangelical churches there in Greece. And they ended up there on the, the island. The, other, the right side is Papua New Guinea, which you may have heard of. The left side at that point was called Irianjai, Indonesia. And there they ministered for 16 or 17 years. Uh, dramatic, wonderful stories of God's uh, answering big prayers and, and magnanimous faith on the part of his parents. Uh, through sickness, the Lord led them back to the States to heal. His dad got sick and almost died. And then the Lord gave them a new ministry in the land of Greece. And it was shortly thereafter Jonathan came to Moody and I met him over that table. Later that night, uh, I went up after dinner and he showed me some pictures of of the jungle ministry and I was just blown away. You know, the, the cannibals and the headhunters, the bones through the nose and the arrows and the stories and then the great Mambaramo River traveling through the Lakes Plains region where they ministered, it just was all so fascinating. But what fascinated me even more was when he started talking about Greece and the great spiritual need there was in Greece. And by the end of the night, we'd kind of joined together and said, hey, what if we were to put together a short-term team, a music team from Moody for students and to go over next summer and to take part in the ministry, this evangelistic ministry that his dad was starting at that point throughout the country, which we did. And so in 1982, I had the privilege of joining Jonathan and some other friends for six weeks. We went throughout the country, all the way from Philippi up in the north, all the way down to Corinth in the south, and I was, I was hooked. And uh, five years later, with my bride uh, with me together, we ended up full-time living in Athens with Jonathan and his wife, Miriam. And there we were for five years, ministering with this young mission called Hellenic Ministries. His dad was the president at that point. And after five years, Carrie and I came back for seminary to pursue pastoral ministry, which we've been involved with here in the States. Jonathan continued on and has taken over his dad's position. His dad is now with the Lord. But Jonathan, for the past 16, 18 years, has been the president and executive director of Hellenic Ministries. And as you'll hear, Jonathan is a man of faith. And Hellenic Ministries is a faith mission of, of great regard throughout Greece. They're involved in church planting. They're involved in evangelism of every sort. Uh, they're involved in taking care of refugees. And in fact, they're logistically responsible for Moria Camp, which is the one that we've been taking trips to, and we'll go again this April if you wanna join us, to care for many of the Syrian and other nationality refugees who are awaiting asylum. 10,000 strong in this camp all put together. It's a difficult situation, but a great opportunity to share Jesus. They're involved in boat ministry to all the islands, and they have Porto Astro, which is their mission property, which you'll see some pictures of today. They have TV broadcasts in Athens and Thessaloniki, Bible distribution every summer. Again, we'll be leading a trip, and there's information on the table out there. Or tonight, you could come at 5 p.m. and hear more of Jonathan and more about these trips. But... Um, the reason I've stayed involved with Hellenic Ministries all these years personally 
is because uh, when I'm around Jonathan, when I was around his dad in the early years, when I'm with the team, I'm kind of hanging on by my fingernails. Where there's great faith, there's great risk, it feels like. And uh, as you hear Jonathan this morning, you'll hear a man of great faith, a humble heart, and a person who's trusting God to do even more incredible things, the things that only God can do. So would you please welcome my dear friend, Jonathan McCreese. It's so wonderful to connect with family. Um, you know, when we come to know the Lord, um, we, we just have the choice of joining. And then we begin to meet those others that God has also included in his family. And so the one choice you don't have is who your family will be. And so it's so wonderful to be here and be connected with you. Long before the strategic partnership was here, we were connected. Uh, we were connected. I remember the day Dan uh, received the invitation to come and work here, we were actually staying in his house in Oregon. And he called up and said, Jonathan, God is doing an amazing work here in Nashville. We just really sense the Lord calling us here. Well, over the years, there's been so many of you that have joined us in ministry. And the, the warmth of Dan's heart and the extension of the love of this community has really strengthened and encouraged our hearts and what God has given us to do. In fact, when we were driving here to this morning uh, with Dan, um, we just kind of celebrated the beauty of friendship and how God can choose to unite hearts and unite visions. And, and then down the road, you look back and you see all the amazing things God has done. So it was that night at Moody Bible Institute after my first semester, I was wrestling with the Lord what he wanted me to do. Up on the seventh floor, Dan was a few floors up in the men's dorm, and at about 6 a.m., I heard a knock on the door, and it was Dan. And Dan's like, man, you would not believe what happened to me last night. I go, what? He says, I've been up all night praying, and I'm, I'm feeling that the Lord is calling me to come to be a missionary in Greece. And I was like, Dan, you know what happened to me last night? I didn't sleep at all. I've been praying all night, and I'm sensing that God has given me this vision to go back because I grew up in Papua, or today Papua, back then, Irianjaya, Indonesia, and part of my heart was getting tugged back to the primitive land of, of New Guinea, and the other part was uh, connected to Greece, um, where my parents had gone back to. Uh, and so anyway, here we are today uh, to just celebrate the advent of Christmas, but the reality of the Savior who's called us by name and commissioned us to do his goodwill wherever we're at. And I want to just make a point this morning that it's not about the missionaries you support. It's about the mission that each of you are on. Uh, there's no room for heroes in the faith. Uh, there's just room for obedient servants that are clinging to the robes of Jesus and wanting to know everything he wants us to do. Um, more is being done for the sake of the kingdom by average people, and we'll look at a passage from Luke, of people that have never made stardom uh, than, than you might believe. Uh, and so anyway, I have a picture here that I want to show a little bit of my past. Um, my past started in Irian Jaya. That's yours truly. Um, if, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, the first 16 years of my life was lived among those people. And just last Christmas, we got a tremendous gift in the mail. 
the governor of the island, who came to faith through our collective ministry, um, invited us all back to celebrate Christmas together. Uh, and it was such an incredible experience after 40 years to see what God has done on the island. I wish I had time to tell you about it, but we've got to keep moving here. Uh, the next picture is of my family. I often forget to honor my, my, the wonderful gift that the Lord has given me. I met my wife in Irian Jaya at 11 years of age. She was the fourth girl in our seventh grade class, and it was love at first sight, and uh, there was a few other chapters in between. But anyway, uh, we're happily married, and God has gifted us five children and a grandchild and two more on the way, uh, so we're uh, not from the same son. Uh, anyway, but we're, we're excited to uh, have family and work together with Justin Evangelia, uh, Natasa, our second, is in Australia. Kyle has just finished Moody and, and doing his master's program. And Karsten, our teenager, just finished high school and started college. And Jorn is 12 years old and still reminds us that we're parents after 27 years. Uh, so the next, the next uh, uh, picture is, is something that really excites my heart. Um, the Lord put a burden on our heart to reach our country and to bring reform to our nation. Uh, ministry is so much more than going to church. It's about the church having an impact globally. And in our case, our community, our neighborhood, our nation. We want to win Greece for Christ. And the way we thought we could contribute to our economic crisis was, uh, by God's design, uh, a program called Operation Joshua to distribute scriptures to every home in Greece. Uh, we missed the Reformation. We missed the Enlightenment. We missed the Industrial Revolution after 400 years being under the Ottoman uh, rule. Uh, and uh, it's our gift from God to respond in obedience and distribute the New Testament written in the Greek language uh, over 2,000 years ago in its first trans without need for translation and gift it to the Greek people so that they today can read their own scripture in their own language in the modern Greek. Um, we're so thrilled. 1,149,000 1, of these Bibles have been distributed door to door uh, to over five and a half thousand villages. We are turning the country upside down. They used to say the priests were so fearful of us. I've been beat, I've been dragged through the street, I've been put in prison cells. I, everything, all the abuse you can imagine. But we've finally gotten to the point now where the priests who used to say publicly burn the Bibles they're being given by the heretics, are now telling the people not to burn the Bibles because they're actually the truth of God for the people. And so we're excited about that. The only thing is, is that as we obey the Lord, he continually asks us to be willing to get out of our comfort zone, to step out of the boat, so to speak, and to walk to Jesus. And as we've begun this process of obedience, what's happened is, is our, the Lord keeps enlarging the need in our hearts as he wants us to reflect his compassion for the people. So it's not enough to give the Bibles. We now have to go back and teach them the word of God. And so we've launched on a program to plant churches throughout Greece. And we're doing it with young people. Over 70 young people have been involved in our program so far. And we're thrilled to see little communities of faith being started. We're asking the Lord to give us 50 more national workers and 100 churches, 100 church plants, with a vision of seeing the, the body of Christ in Greece put their arms around the, the vision of a, a thousand new churches uh, in our country. 
uh, where 0.25% of the population is evangelical believers or believers as we understand believers uh, with uh, internal hope. The next picture shows, uh, the next little video is um, uh, a video of our camp. Um, we've had, I'm sorry, it's, a, it's actually a fire. Um, we've had fire and we've had floods. So we're going to show you the fire first, a little story, and then the next video. You may have seen uh, these fires um, on the news, uh, devastating a region of Atiki, 10 minutes from our house. About 3,000 homes burnt in about four hours. Um, and we, we came across this YouTube video the night after the fires, and uh, we just watched it in amazement how the fires, the wind was so intense that the fires were burning horizontally. They weren't even burning, you know, vertically. Um, and uh, we watched this video with great intrigue to see how fast the fire and how furious it was, and wondering what this guy was doing outside of his house. Um, and then we see the cat, and then his phone drops, and, he, and the fire sweeps around the other side of his house. And then we see this shot. And then we wondered if the man ever made it alive. A few days later, as a church, as City Church, our church plant, we decided God wants us to respond. So what, what could we do? So we gathered about 25 young people, got them masks and gear, and went out and started cleaning houses and helping people that were survivors of the fire. Um, my son, as he was leading or part of one of these groups, I came up to this house and said, this looks really familiar. And he put two and two together and he said, that video that we had seen as a family the day before was this house that they were visiting to help clean. So they asked the guy what happened and he went through the whole story and then we heard the, the wife's rendition when she came to church um, a few weeks later. Um, but what actually happened was uh, this man uh, was, had come home to get his father out of the house, but then remembered the cat, went outside to get the cat. The wind blew the, the door shut. He couldn't get in. His dad wouldn't hear him knocking on the door. So he decided to just weather it and uh, took video of it. Uh, meanwhile, his wife had had a vision in a dream that she actually penciled out and put on the door of the refrigerator so that he would remember what to do in the case of a fire. Uh, she, was, she was a believer from South America and for seven years hadn't been able to make a dent in his faith. Uh, and uh, so she was about to give up and had this vision that her husband would one day be in a fire. And uh, he, she told the husband, when, the fire, when you're in the fire, don't pray to the Greek gods, don't pray to Mother Mary, don't pray to the saints, but remember to pray in the name of Jesus. He's the only one that's going to help you. And so um, he found himself plastered up against the wall and the heat of the fire beginning to singe his back. And he remembered to pray in the name of Jesus. And as he prayed, this peace came about him. And he explained to the kids that there was this, like, this, this, blank, this wet blanket that was put around him, protecting him from this inferno and he made it alive. Um, what a joy to see his wife and the kids join us at church uh, with the hopes that he too will believe. But we found a soft heart in this man's uh, life. 
And uh, there are other families as well that were impacted by our young people as they went out. Um, and I think part of the point of showing this is to give an example of how we need to be responsive as a community of faith, experiencing the compassion of God and asking the Lord how we can in- engage our society to draw them into the love of Christ and to bring about an opportunity for their hope and salvation. Well, if fires weren't enough, our theme for the year was everything beautiful. Um, it's the idea that we lost, we lost everything in Eden and we have our hope that everything will be restored at the end of time. And in the middle of this chaotic experience living on planet Earth, we have the opportunity to bring hope to the nations. And so interestingly as it is, it was the year of fires, the year of floods. We're going to see the flood that swept through our camp, Porto Astro. This is one hour out of Athens. For four hours, a river raged through our property and there's no river above our property. There's never been even hardly a trickle, uh, even in the worst of rains. The blue Mediterranean became like the Amazon for over a week. We run camps all summer through here, including refugee camps for, for refugees that come to know Christ. last summer uh, with a wedding celebrated here on the field. Everything was immaculate. Uh, So much hard work to go into it. And uh, the Lord has allowed it to be completely uh, destroyed. You can see our equipment just covered boats that have been completely covered uh, with rock. Our jet skis completely covered. Dinghies Uh, tents. This is approximately one story level of height that has been filled. Bathrooms are intact. Uh, They nearly have fallen off the edge here. All of this was completely removed, taking down our brand new solar water heater. Not only is our electrical system and our plumbing system out, but we had a lot of water where we didn't need it, including on floors like this in our pantry area uh, that will have to be completely redone. Unfortunately, it was just put in. So many people made commitments here this summer. We're confident that we can remake this a place of beauty and celebration uh, where many will find their eternal hope in Christ. Thank you for watching this show. The Sunday morning that I received these video clips on my iPhone or on my my cell phone, um, I was just stepping into church and I'm thinking to myself, how do I concentrate and give a message. Well, in the church, before I started, previously with the fires, 
we had helped a family, a semi-retired family that lost everything they had. Uh, when their house was devastated, they were living just in the kitchen area with no electricity, no heating. They showed up in church. The focus of what God was doing in the lives of people like this couple, it just completely prioritized my emotions and my feelings at that moment. I went up to them afterwards and in tears, they said we had to lose everything we had in order to experience who Jesus is. Um, and so I couldn't even be worried about the property. It's like a thousand tons of rock have been moved <laughs> into our property. There's no road. We don't have running water. We don't have all kinds of stuff. But who cares? Where Jesus is at work is where our hearts are glad. And Jesus is calling people to himself everywhere. Uh, we're living in exciting days in Greece. Um, it's really interesting that uh, for eight years we've experienced absolute chaos in our economy. Um, and, and life everywhere, though, I think presents its difficulty. Eugene Peterson writes, wrecked bodies, wrecked marriages, wrecked careers, wrecked plans, wrecked families, wrecked alliances, wrecked friendships, wrecked prosperity. Life is like a colossal train wreck. We're damaged people with brokenness. And Isaiah, there's a beautiful picture of Christ's coming and the hope that we have. Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 6. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy for waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Araba. We, as the body of Christ, have the hope for a broken world. Amen? What are we doing about it? Um, I just want to share very briefly about the story of the paralytic. There's four friends. They're unnamed. They're not heroes in the scripture tales. They're four friends, and they believe that if they can get their friend to Jesus, Jesus can help their friend. And I guess the first point is, do we believe that Jesus can actually help our friends? So often we're too embarrassed to name the name of Jesus, let alone take our friends to Jesus. We have a crisis of belief. So these friends take their paralytic friend and they get to the door and it's completely, in Luke's uh, gospel chapter 5 verse 17 to the end, describes how the entrance was just completely packed with people. The windows were packed with people. Jesus was there. All the important people in the area were there to hear Jesus. And these friends were unstoppable. They took their paralytic friend. They went up on the roof, as you know the story. They started digging through the clay. They got through the clay and the focus and attention goes off of Jesus up to the sunlight that's beaming through in the four faces of these guys that are trying to get their friend through the roof. I wonder from the perspective of the paralytic, what must have been feeling like as, I'm sure they didn't have that, that, that bed, that whatever he was on, uh, level the whole time. Uh, was there a sense of fear that he was going to drop? 
And then he gets lowered into the room and the friend's looking down, so excited about this moment that their friend is going to be touched by Jesus and healed. And what Jesus says is, son, your sins are forgiven. The problem of humanity and our brokenness is sin. And sometimes the Lord doesn't give us what we want. And we experience disappointment. Because in his not giving us what we want, he often withholds it to give us what we truly need. And so the man is healed. And he's commanded with the authority of the one who created the universe to get up and walk in order to prove that Jesus Christ was here to reverse the narrative of history. Uh, Jesus, I believe, wants us first to believe that he can help our friends. And secondly, he wants us to be involved in taking our friends to Jesus. And thirdly, I think he wants us to embrace our brokenness as a gift. Unless we experience the touch of Christ in healing for our own brokenness, we'll be limited in being able to show true compassion uh, to those that God is calling us to witness and minister to. Just lastly, I just want to thank the Lord for the incredible gift of friendship, uh, the incredible gift that you all are uh, to the body of Christ around the world through all the strategic partnerships. And uh, I want you to know that when we're in Greece, we know that we're not working by ourselves. It's almost this picture of these four guys together. We're embraced together in a common endeavor to bring the compassion of Jesus in a holistic way to the nation's that still wait to hear and to have hope. The question that I have, and with closing with this, is what is it that is paralyzing you to be able to express freely the gift of hope to those around you that you love? Um, would you receive God's healing through faith, resting your anxieties on Him, allowing Him to manage the brokenness, the pain, would you willingly just shift that burden to him and allow his healing to touch you? And maybe the first step of that is a repentant heart for the part of that brokenness that you're trying to manage on your own. And as Jesus heals you, you're able to pick up your bed and walk with joy and together embrace the world that God has gifted us to bring to his, to his feet. May the Lord bless you richly. In just a moment, we're going to have a privilege of being able to pray for Jonathan. Before we do that, I want to ask him a question or two. We have a little bit of time. We can do a, a bit of an, an interaction. So stay up here on the stage. Uh, the first question I have is, Tell us a little bit of the follow-up from the flood at that camp. Are, are you all going to be able to rebuild, and where are you in the process? Well, it's really cool because the guys that are running the camp, um, they're co-workers of ours. They're Albanians who have come over as Muslims. They've accepted the Lord under my dad's ministry. 
there today, they're our co-workers, and they said, Jonathan, this is devastating as it is. The Lord just simply has given us a new call in the same location. We have to rebuild. Mm. But they've told me we're not stopping anything. Everything on the calendar is going to happen. And just uh, 10 days ago, uh, we had our first uh, church planting training conference with 60 people at the property. So we just have to overlook all of the, all of the damage and the dirt. And, uh, but uh, we're, we're on, um, on course with continuing to do what God's called us to do. Praise God. Praise God. The first people that were up on the, the cleanup team, the very first team that responded was uh, our, from our refugee ministry, mm-hmm. um, men, and, men and women that have accepted the Lord Jesus at camp that said, this place has meant so much to us. And they were up within the first weekend. Uh, to put in a long weekend of work and uh, the beginning of the cleanup process. So, Grateful to hear that. Yeah. Uh, next question I have, tell us a little more about what your work is like with the Greek Orthodox people. Because as I understand, most of the country would consider themselves Christian and they're part of the Greek Orthodox Church. And, and as you interact with them, you're trying to share the good news of the gospel of grace with them, many that don't understand. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, I... Um, Going to Bible college, we, we just um, completely um, yeah, went through every form of evangelism, including the four, four spiritual laws. And we tried using the four spiritual laws in the early years, but it's kind of ironic because laws in Greece are meant to be broken, so we had to change strategy. <laughs> um, the, uh, the really cool thing is, is that everything that I've shared with you about this passage of, of compassion here in Luke is what works with the Greek people. Um, the Greek people love the strangers, and they really respond well to compassion. And so just uh, coming alongside of them, being a friend, what's really amazing is that in, as long as I can remember, there's nobody that's turned me down when I've just relayed, you know, on a personal level, what Jesus means to me. It doesn't matter if it's in the open market, at the toll booth, at the gas station, uh, with our landlord. People are just so respect- receptive as we just show compassion and concern and then just allow our lives, you know, it's like, this is a little tip for all of you when you share your faith. Don't worry about trying to figure out what's the right way to do it. Um, what did the Lord give you as an encouragement today? Share that with somebody uh, who's in need. And uh, it just, it makes for a really casual but very honest uh, representation of the meaning of Christ in your life and how it can impact somebody. Uh, so it, it's, it's really amazing. We don't have huge numbers of Greeks that are coming to know the Lord, but we believe our breakthrough is coming, and we just keep planting the seed of compassion and love. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I want to ask you, how can we best pray for you? And as you're thinking about that for a minute, Jonathan, let me give you guys some context. Uh, we have 12 global partners, as I mentioned. Jonathan and Hellenic Ministries is one of our newest. It's been just about a year of our partnership with them. So think about... Comas in Peru over 15, 70 years, 17 years, how God has used that partnership. This is what we're anticipating moving forward. So we're excited to begin this journey with you. And it's such a joy to introduce Jonathan to this body. So tell us how we can pray for you right now. Well, um, I, I just have to be real honest as I was preparing for today and being in the Word. Um, I was kind of surprised. Um, I, I have a bit of jet lag. I was up at 3 a.m. and did some reading. And, you know, whenever I, I'm woken in the morning, you know, at night, it's like, okay, Lord, what, what do you want to tell me? Um, you know, I must be awake for a purpose. Uh, and sometimes I have this little sweet fellowship. This morning, though, as I laid there, just trying to go back to sleep, um, 
it's really amazing, but the Lord convicted me of areas where I'm beginning to bear burdens that I don't want to bear. Like, I mean, I'm willing to bear the burden, but I don't want to bear it in my own strength. And I just really, I had to ask the Lord to forgive me and to ask of his grace. And um, I'm really, really feeling that we speak about grace so much, but we've lost touch with repentance. What does it mean to repent? And so I just, just ask the Lord to forgive me for areas where um, I'm not trusting him like I should. Um, and so I guess my first thought is, would you just pray for me and my family um, that uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus would continue to blanket us and that we would walk in a spirit that would be pleasing to him? It's not so much what we do. It's how we, how we interact with the Lord in terms of tr- truly believing and trusting. Mm. And I think that's, that needs to be refreshed and renewed daily. So mm. that would be my greatest need right now. Um, to list other needs, there's a ton of them. But I think that uh, as we go as leaders, so go our organizations or churches and so on. And uh, I would say in the same breath, uh, would you guys pray for Pastor Rob? Um, don't look at him as the seminary grad that's got it all together. He faces the same trials, temptations as each of you. And if we're going to make it as a body of Christ, we really need one another to uphold and protect each other. So, Amen. Thank yeah. you for that. Thank you for sharing that with us. We would love to pray for you. Um, you know, I, I want to share this with our body and also share it with Jonathan at the same time is that he's now part of the fellowship family is one of our global partners. And, and I love how you even started your message with that idea of family, and that's true in the body of Christ, but it's even more particularly true mm. as a part of what God has called us here to. And mm. so I'm looking forward to the day that um, many of us in this room may have an opportunity to go to Greece. Your, our first opportunity is coming up in April. You're gonna have an opportunity even today at 5 p.m. to get to know Jonathan better right here in this space. He'll be sharing some more. We'll hear about the trips, but just get to know him better. Hear, hear stories of Greece and growing up uh, around the world and all kinds of things. I would encourage you to do that. We don't get the opportunity very often to have one of our global partners with us. So if you're able to make it at 5 p.m. today, please come. I know it'll be a blessing to you. And we wanna pray for you, brother. And so, uh, congregation, we're going to do that right now. I'm going to pray, lead us in prayer for Jonathan, and then Jonathan is going to pray for us, and he's going to pray for us in Greek. So it'll be a wonderful opportunity for us to experience God's work here in multiple languages. So let's pray for Jonathan. Our Father, we are grateful for our brother, and I pray that you who have called him to this work will faithfully encourage him as he leans forward and looks to the future. And God, I pray specifically, I'm just so touched by his open-heartedness to share with us even a place of vulnerability. And as he shared, um, he's not a superhero, missionary, superhero, pastor. None of us are. But he is a man that you have called to this work. And I pray that his heart would be refreshed in that. And I pray that even in his weakness, you would be strong. And I pray that you'd continue the work you've done in him even this morning, giving him a heart of releasing the burdens that he's been carrying to you, giving him a heart of repentance, helping him to know the grace that he preaches and teaches at a personal level. And God, I need that in my own heart, and we need that, every person in this room. So I pray, Father, that as you are uniting us in mission through this partnership, you would also continue to unite our hearts together. We are so grateful 
for the grace of Jesus Christ. And that under that banner, we stand. And it's that banner that Jonathan and the others in Hellenic ministries are proclaiming in a part of the world that right now desperately needs to hear good news, desperately needs to hear the best news imaginable. And I pray, Father, that we would continue to lift Jonathan up and his family and his ministry as they do the work of the gospel in the nation of Greece and the surrounding countries and to the ends of the earth. In the great name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Ευχαριστούμε, Κύριε, για το έργο που έχεις κάνει στο Σταυρό. Ευχαριστούμε για την αγάπη που έχεις προσφέρει σε όλους μας, για την χάρη Σου. Σου ζητούμε, Κύριε, να ευλογήσεις τον αδερφό μου εδώ, τον Πιμένα, τον Ραμ. Ευλόγησέ τον στο νου, στην καρδιά, στο σώμα, την οικογένειά του, δώσ' του Σοφία. Ευλόγησέ τον, Κύριε, και κάνε τον ευλογία σε όλο το σώμα εδώ. Σε ευχαριστώ επίσης, Ρωάνια Πατέρα, που μας έχεις ευλογήσει σαν κοινότητα. Και σου ζητώ, Κύριε, η χάρη Σου να είναι πάνω στο, στο, στο εκκλησίασμα και Εσύ, Κύριε, να δεκτείς όλη την δόξα και όλο το έπαινο, επειδή Εσύ το αξίζεις, Ρόνια Πατέρα. Και σου ζητούμε, Κύριε, μέσα από αυτή τη σχέση που έχουμε ένα με τον άλλον, να μπορούμε να, 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 σε υπο, να, να, να σε ονομάσουμε Πατέρα, αλλά να υπακούσουμε σε κάθε τι που ζητάς από εμάς να κάνουμε δια της πίστεως. Σε ευχαριστούμε, Ράνιο Πατέρα, και στο όνομα του Ιησού Χριστού αφιερώνουμε αυτή την ώρα. Αμήν. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. I recognized a couple words in there. God God knows them all. Uh, I want to invite you after the service to come forward, have a chance to shake hands with Jonathan. Also, if we can pray for you today, it would be a privilege for us to do that. We're going to have a couple that will be over here to my right and your left in that corner. I'm here as well. We'd love to pray with you. Have a great day and Merry Christmas.